Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the November 13th edition of Rubber Guard Radio. I'm your host, KZ. Uh, This episode of Rubber Guard is uh, dedicated to the memory of Eddie Guerrero, who passed away three years ago today. Um, Eddie, you're still missed, and I do still love my Best of Gringos Locos DVD set. Uh, That brings me to my sponsors, FogCityWrestling.com. The 13th of December, they're coming back. Uh, Raven will be on the card um, in San Francisco. And my other sponsor will be WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, go out of your way to check out um, their SoCal Pro Wrestling DVDs. Um, every show from this year, Adam Pierce has been tearing it up down there in San Diego. They also have Lucha Masks, uh, DVDs, T-shirts, all kinds of different swag. But enough of the bullshit. I have on the line the craziest motherfucker that I have seen, at least today, Sammy Callahan. How you feeling, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Let me apologize myself first. I'm a little under the weather, so my throat's a little scratchy tonight. Oh, that's all good, dude. At, at least you're in one piece after that uh, that double death tournament, man. That was insane shit. Yeah, it was tough. It was the first time I got a taste uh, a little bit of hardcore like that. It was it was, it was rough. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It was a fun show. Um, I really don't dig the hardcore stuff, but it was fun. I actually enjoyed myself, and you know, not not just because you were in it, but there were some really good teams in there. There was some really good workers, and you know, I mean, Michael Elgin. Man, is there a tougher guy in an Indies? Legit the strongest man I've ever met in my entire life. Michael Elgin, I believe he could actually pick up a small horse if he really wanted to. There you go. Yeah, that that, that whole that that whole weekend was just insane. I sat down and I watched the whole thing today. And man, I just wanted to, you know, bust a light tube over my wife's head. <laughs> <laughs> but now, tell me, you got in there with the boss man, Ian, Ian Rotten. Um, I mean, you guys were, were just beating the shit out of each other. Uh, you guys had one hell of a match, and then, you know, he got on the mic after and put you guys over. Um, I think you're in, as far as Ian's concerned. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. You know, Ian is probably one of the hardest-hitting guys I've ever been in the ring with, and uh, it was a privilege getting a chance to wrestle him and Wayne, who's deathmatch icons. Uh, it was awesome. Pretty much one of my first death matches ever to get a chance to uh, step in the ring with those guys. I'm actually uh, wrestling Ian 
the main event of IWA Mid-South Lethal Lottery this Saturday to return though. Tremendous. Tremendous. This, that should be good stuff. Um, Ian, you know, Ian doesn't get the credit that he really deserves as, as a technical guy. You know, sure, he's slow, but he gets there. And when he gets there, he keeps going. Um, you know, he just doesn't get the credit that he deserves as, as a, as a, uh, a non-deathmatch worker. Um, now, this will be the second time getting in the ring with him? Yeah, this will be the second time getting in the ring with Ian. It will be my first singles match with him. Uh, really looking forward to it, actually. It's one of the matches I've been looking forward to more uh, in the past couple months. Should should be fun stuff. Well, um, let's see. We're going to go through uh, through the results here. Um, the Michigan Militia. Uh, you got you and uh, Elgin took them on in the first round in the TLC match, and that was pretty nuts. Um, now, wh- wh- what's those guys beef with uh, Michael Elgin? Uh, I think it's more of like a Michigan Michigan Canada thing. Uh, they're really close, so I guess they have beef. Or something like that. All I know of, uh, they've been having beef, and all the Canadian and uh, Michigan guys have been having beef for the past couple months. So, tell me, how'd you guys come up with grits and gravy? Uh, grits and gravy is actually my idea. And the funny thing is, uh, when I brought up the name, Michael Elgin actually hated it. And uh, Ian Rotten came up to us like, so what do you want your team name to be? And as soon as Elgin turned around, I'm like, Grits and Gravy. Our name's going to be Grits and Gravy. And I knew Elgin would get pissed as soon as he heard it. And uh, Boss got on the microphone and announced that our tag name was Grits and Gravy. And he looks right at me and goes, I can't believe you did it. I'm like, hey, man, it's not my fault that I'm a little bit of grits and you're a whole lot of gravy, buddy. And <laughs> it kind of just stuck after that. <laughs> Actually, I think it's an ode to the Waffle House, but that's just me. Big you fan know, of the Waffle House, raisin toast and grits. There it is. You know what? What independent worker has not eaten at a Waffle House? <clears throat> All right. So let's see. You're uh, you're picking up dates with CZW as well. Um, yeah. You're all over the place, brother. You're all over. No. Lots of time in a car. I think my little Saturn's about to explode. It has over two hundred thousand miles on it now. Oh, jeez. Well, that's. That's part of uh, chasing the independent dream, brother, you know? I got to do what I got to do. There it is. Well, let's... Uh, if, that, let's if, that uh, means make, if that means making one of my buddies drive while I sleep in the passenger seat, then so be it. As long as Drake Younger's driving, it's not a problem. Drake's a good driver, I'm not going to lie. Uh, he's actually... Funny thing about Drake Younger, he's actually terrified of my driving. Every time we're on the road together, he thinks I'm going to kill him because I'm legit the worst driver ever. Anyone that steps in a car with me, it's it's legit like a legit deathmatch. <laughs> I'm a horrible driver. I'm not gonna lie. I swerve and I look away from the road and I talk to people and I eat, and I'm just a complete nuisance behind the wheel. Well, the the way you're going at this rate, the the way that your stars rising in a couple years, you'll be able to you know open up a school and get your own young boys and they can drive for you. That'd be nice. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a big fan of driving. Every time I drive, I usually fall asleep, so I usually call one of my random people on my phone at 3 in the morning, like, man, you got to help me stay awake. Come on, man. you got to help me stay awake. Random calls, uh, Michael Elgin, are quite a music at 3 in the morning. <laughs> Remember, brother, I'm on the West Coast, so I'm three three hours three hours behind you. So, <laughs> And, you know, I have nothing to do on a Saturday night, so. I have to keep that in mind. <laughs> All right, let's see. 
for those that are listening, uh, we will take callers. All show, area code 347-215-7946. I have a caller on the line from the 205. Caller, welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. Who am I speaking with? Okay, let's patch him in. Okay. Caller from What's the 205. Happening? Who am I speaking yes, with? Yes, this is Dragon King Carl from the board. It's Carl. You're on early, brother. I hear you, man. I have just wrapped up taping the uh, Rick and Steve reunion show, and I just had to schedule this when I could. Tremendous. Tremendous. I have on the line Mr. Carl Stern, the resident uh, wrestling historian of F4W Online and Wrestling Observer. I have also on the line with us, Carl, have uh, Mr. Sammy Callahan. Um, Sammy is... uh, one of his big influences are the big guys from Japan, um, Terry Gordy, Bruiser Brody. Um, let, let's talk about it. Carl, Stan you, Hansen, you Carl, man. Can't forget Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen. Sorry about that. Stan Hansen. That's right. You and your lariats. Oh, brother. yes. One of my favorite matches of all time was the, the Hansen versus Vader match, the, the famous eye match at the Tokyo Dome. I love That's that fantastic. match. fantastic. Man, talk about hitting hard, brother. Okay. I love those those stiff big monsters, the the Steve Doctor Death the Williams and and uh, Terry Gordy and just uh, Vader was always one of my favorites. Bam Bam Bigelow, just all those guys, man, that was that was the stuff I loved. And Stan Hansen, I guess he would top the list by far. Now, Sammy, have you ever seen anybody, with the exception of Vader, manhandle Hansen in the ring? <sighs> No, there's. I don't think there's anybody that's manhandled Stan, Hanson the ring like Vader did. Because mm-hmm. I, I can't remember one at all. Yeah. Carl, <clears throat> uh, you know Stan Hanson, big monster guy, <laughs> blind as a bat. You know, <laughs> nobody was going to manhandle that guy if, if he didn't want him to. I mean, he was just. You know, like Bruiser Brody in Japan, he just got in the ring and just kept moving and, and just didn't back up. And, my God, you know, he just ran over people. And I just love when two big, stiff powerhouses like that get in there. I mean, it just to me, it just makes wrestling look so much more legitimate than, than you know, the really scripted-looking stuff. And that's why it's always been my favorite. Uh, style to watch are these these big guys who just you know I, I agree you know the, the case could be made that you know that's not, that's not the smartest way to work but man you know uh, give me like give me Shinya Hashimoto and, and and somebody like that over uh, some of the, the the current high flyers any day of the week. Okay, I'm going to bring this up. Um, <clears throat> a few months ago, Sammy, you were in the ring with the Necro Butcher. Yes. And I was I was listening to the IWA Double Death uh, Tag Tournament today, and I don't remember who it was, but they compared Necro to the second coming of Bruiser Brody. Um, what do you think about that, Sammy? And then, Carl, you can follow. Uh, I really don't think Necro is the second coming of Bruiser Brody. Uh, I think Necro is the first coming of the Necro Butcher. He, he doesn't belong foreshadowing anybody. He belongs in the forefront as his own or as his own character. Mm-hmm. The second cover well, of Bruiser Brody is actually a new... two totally different eras, and, and, it's, and it's not fair. To, I mean, you know, he, he he can't possibly live up to that that 
legend because the business is totally different. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. He's he's like, uh, you know, he's the necro butcher and Bruiser Brody's Bruiser Brody, and I don't think it's fair to compare them really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have to agree with you guys as well. Um, when I heard that on the commentary, it's like, no, you know, Dylan's his own guy, you know, and there will never ever be another Brody. Um, Honestly, I don't see another worker coming around that that grabbed me the way Brody did. Um, I just I don't see it, and you know, guys, I don't see anybody bucking the authority the way he did either. You know, there isn't anyone in the business now that has that type of power, and I don't think there ever will be now. You know, as far as you know, since Vince has everything, and you know, everybody else is you know reaching for the scraps. But uh, so uh, let, let's talk tag team, guys. Um, first off, Sammy, who is who is your favorite tag team ever? Um, I'm saying Steiner Brothers. I've been I've actually been watching a lot of Steiner Brothers lately, and the tag stuff back around like '91 to '93 was awesome because they're always baby faces, and it just is such a powerhouse tag team that was so agile in the ring. They just meshed so well together. You and your damn clothesline, Sammy. No, Steinerline, man. Jesus Best theme music man. of pro wrestling ever. Steinerline theme music from WCW. <laughs> you need to come down to that when you work Ian next. <laughs> I would think that would be pretty cool. Okay, so Carl, from uh, from that era, um, 91 through 93, who do you think the top team, tag team, as far you know, as your opinion was? Man, it's, for, if, if you're going with that era, it's, it's hard to vote against the Steiner brothers. My my personal favorite tag team was the Road Warriors because I just loved the the, the whole aura they had, the you know the big spikes and just the two guys who just run over people and everything. Uh, the the Steiners were much you know more well-rounded workers than the Road Warriors ever were, but the Road Warriors just had that image. You know, it was just they were such a complete act. That even even what they lacked in the ring, I mean, they made up in just intimidation and and everything. So that's they've always been my my favorite team. You know, on, on the flip side of the coin, I always was a big fan of the Midnight Express as well. But that you know that was a totally different animal than the than the Road Warriors. I mean, they were more technical and, and stuff. I'm talking about uh, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane in particular. When you say Midnight Express, you got to kind of narrow it down, but. Um, those are, I guess, my two top teams ever. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell a quick story. Uh, you mentioned the Road Warriors and Stan Lane. Um, in 1984, I was at a show, an AWA show at the Cow Palace. And at this time, they were going around the loop doing the tag team battle royals. And <clears throat> they would bring in all the teams. And, you know, once you eliminated one of, your, one of the guys, the whole team's gone. And it was Hawk. They were feuding. The Road Warriors were feuding with the Fabs at the time. And Roar Hawk picked up uh, Steve Kern over his head. And I'm in the front row. And he looks over towards me. He says, catch this motherfucker. And he throws him over the top rope. And I shit my pants. Because I was, you know, I was a younger kid. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And <clears throat> you, you can hear the bad language. And, you know, you see all these parents around looking around. And now, you know, uh, rougher language is, is more, you know, prevalent. But, um. Is there anything, you know, have you guys been to a show and there's been any type of a moment like that that, that just captured you, Sammy? Um, 
I really can't say so. I, I really can't say anything like that really captured me. You know, I think of one one time in particular, and I guess this is the only time this has ever happened to me. And, and you know, I'm a I'm a pretty good sized guy myself, and I've been in law enforcement for 15 years now, so I'm not intimidated by a lot of stuff. But I remember I was shooting ringside photography for a match with Terry Gordy in, in Birmingham, Alabama, and Terry came out of the ring. And he came over to the timekeeper's table where I was sitting to get my chair to hit the hit the guy he was working with. And I remember thinking, I know this is a work, but if I don't give him my chair, he is going to kill me. Legit, right here, I am going to die. And I just remember thinking, I mean, you just he just had that look in his eyes that I don't even think Terry realized, you know, that – he was working. He, you know, he was coming to get a chair to hit this guy with, and I had best be moving out of the way. And that's the, that sticks out in my mind as the one time that wrestling uh, got a little too real for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So Sammy, um, <clears throat> out of the quote unquote old timers that you know that that are in the the Louisville, uh, Indiana, Chicago area that Ian could bring in. Um, who would you like to have him bring in to work with you? Tracy Smothers. Well, okay, well, that was the obvious one, but you mean the juggalo Tracy Smothers? No, I mean Tracy Smothers, <laughs> the, the thug Tracy Smothers. I, I, would wrestle, I would love to wrestle Tracy Smothers back in his prime in the 80s. Mm, mm. I have to agree. <clears throat> yeah, Tracy's just a, a breed, breed of his own, and, you know... <sighs> I, that's that's pretty much all I can say. I can't let Cat out of bag, but yeah, Tracy's a hell of a guy. Um, what what are your feelings on Tracy, Carl? You've seen him, you know, pretty much when he broke in. So, oh yeah, I've I've, I've seen uh, I've been on a million shows where Tracy Smothers has been, and uh, I remember he, him first breaking out down here in in Alabama. I guess he's I guess he actually first broke out in Tennessee, but I remember his early days down here in Alabama when he and uh, Steve Armstrong first started teaming up. And I didn't actually really get to to talk to Tracy much until you know at, well after his you know his his run in, in WCW and, and later you know his brief time he was in WWF. Um, Tracy has his ups and downs, and he's he's always. Um, when he's on, he's he's serious about what he's doing. I mean, he, there's a lot he could teach some of the younger guys about, as far as you not know, being so clownish and everything uh, with their work. Uh, it's just um, you know getting him on a good day, I guess. So <clears throat> now, as far as guys that are on the indie scene, um, I have yet to see anybody that sells the way that you do, Sammy. Um, Thank you. Who influenced Who influenced you on on the way that you sell? Stan Hansen, baby. Everything. Stan, the main person I watch, the main person I study, Stan Hansen. I, it, his selling was unbelievable, and it was so real. So, all right, Carl, I'm I'm going to put you on the spot, with the exception of Ricky Steamboat, and Hey, man, Ricky I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, I'm going to have to hop off here real fast. My phone's getting ready to go dead. Okay, well, um, let's throw out a quick plug. How can people get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me at myspace.com slash 
Jason Rush, J-A-Y-S-I-N-R-U-S-H. Uh, hit, me up on my, hit me up on MySpace, or uh, you can email me at Sam underscore Hambo at MSN.com. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Sammy. We'll have to have you on again when your phone's fully charged. Have a safe weekend, and good luck with your match with Ian. I cannot Thank wait you. to see it. Awesome. Have a great guy, day, guys, and peace. <clears throat> All right, that was uh, Sammy Callahan in the first segment. Looks like it's you and me, Carl. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah, um, it's kind of cool that you came on with Sammy because, you know, he's he's one of the younger kids, but he's really influenced by that by that all Japan um, late 80s, early 90s style, and you can really tell when he works. And, you know, he, he's, he's fun, and he's really blowing up. So, you know, you'll be seeing him on Ring of Honor pay-per-view very soon. He starts with the company later on this month. So... Well, the Rick and Carl show, or the uh, Rick and Steve show, or whichever you want to call it, a reunion yeah. show. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm mixing it as we speak to hopefully get it uploaded sometime tonight. So awesome. Um, scheduling is 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 a doozy for me. <laughs> it's uh, you know I, I don't have the most free time in the world, and uh, this is uh, I'm already a little late on this particular show but what are you going to do you know best best i can do it's all good dude it's all good well um obviously this weekend it's not pro wrestling man it's mma it's an mma weekend biggest show in a long time we have uh brock and randy um can randy hold down that big gorilla oh i'm going with randy uh randy's my pick in this fight I mean, you hear every single time that you hear, you know, Randy's too old, this guy's young, bigger, faster, stronger, younger, and all this. Randy wins. It has a 100% track record when that's what people were talking about before the show. You know, if they were, if everybody was saying, oh, Randy's got this spot in the bag, he's, you know, Brock don't stand a chance, I would pick for Brock. But because everybody seems to be talking about, you know, how Randy has no chance, uh, Randy will find a way to win this. I don't know. He is just the best underdog fighter there's ever been. And, uh, you know, even though a lot of the polls and stuff like the one at Wrestling Observer has been 50-50 pretty much uh, the majority of the way, it seems like everybody on either side of the fence is just passionate about it. It's like there's no gray area like, you know, they, they both stand, they, they both could win this fight. You know, the Brock people seem to be, of the opinion that there's no way Randy can win this fight, and the Randy people are of the opinion there's no way Brock can win this fight. So it's it's real interesting. I mean, it's uh, I think it's going to be great, but I think Randy's going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you know what, Carl? I, I've been saying this since I've been blue in the face. I, it doesn't matter who wins. We are going to win. We oh, yeah. are going to see a hell of a fight, and the atmosphere is going to be blow away. I'll be yeah, shocked sure. if this thing's a blowout. I really will. I'll be shocked if either side comes out and just, you know, wins it in, in a couple minutes. Now, uh, it's MMA. Anything could happen. Uh, it's, you know, it's just not – it wouldn't be totally unbelievable, but I would be really surprised if, if that happened. I really would. I think this is a, a, a multi-round fight. I think it, it could go to a decision either way. In fact, I think it's likely to go to a decision. But um, I, I think it's going to be a good fight. I don't think it's going to. Uh, I, I really would be surprised if it disappoints. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. You know, letting 
letting anybody down. You know, it's just going to be a fun fight for everybody involved. Um, you know, it's going to draw money too. Um, it, I, I think at least a million buys, even even with just that one show, that one uh, uh, countdown show. Because um, I mean, I'm the guys have been all over. Really. I, when they first announced it, I said I, I was of the opinion it's, it's absolutely going to do a million buys. Now I'm I'm not so hot on that. I really think for whatever reason this thing hasn't got played up as strong as I expected it to. I really thought there would be an a all-out blitz for this thing, but there's just UFC is really overexposed right now. And they're not using all their available outlets to promote like this huge fight. I mean, this should have been all we heard about UFC-wise this past week. And you know, I've watched two or three UFC shows, and in the past month, and, and have barely heard it mentioned. Now, I saw the one commercial they've been airing, and I saw the the, the special as well. But I mean, they haven't just really. I mean, it hasn't been the blitz I expected. I, I'm kind of thinking it's going to do more along the lines of maybe uh, 700,000 buys. I, I hope it does. I hope it does a million, but I'm just kind of thinking it's going to come in on more along the uh, maybe uh, six, 650,000 to 700,000. Mm. Yeah, I, I saw Randy on, um, it was ESPN this morning, actually, Sports Center. And I, you know, they they interviewed him. They didn't interview Brock, but they interviewed Randy. And you know, it was the same old, you know, it's the same old shit. You know, I love the competition. You know, I, I that, you know, and it's just it's the same old. And it's not like they're they're really pushing. You know, it's it's Randy saying, hey, I go in there for the competition. You know, Brock's big. I he's younger. I'm older. You know, and it's not. You know, yeah, it's, it's kind of like there's nothing new. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's just like it's it's nothing special. It's yeah, and, I'm, and I'm surprised. I mean, uh given the personalities involved, given that this is uh Randy's first uh fight back after all the uh drama and stuff went down with the UFC and the contracts and everything, you know, there's so many angles they could have approached this thing from and I just think they've kind of dropped the ball with it with it really. Yeah. I won't say it's been a complete fumble, but uh, there, there's Pretty more close. they could have done. With. <clears throat> well, there's a lot more they could have done. And, you know, they they had footage. You know, they filmed enough to do that that HBO-style 24-7 thing, but I don't know why they didn't do it. Yeah, that um, that to me is totally perplexing. I don't know why they didn't go all out with that deal. Uh, that would have been a tremendous lead into this and and really have built the drama up for this fight and i don't i, I have no i can think of no logical explanation why they didn't didn't pull the trigger on that yeah i'm perplexed but you know they got my order and i'm pretty sure they got yours so sadly i'm going to be working this weekend so i'm not going to get to see it Oh man, that's that's a Which shame. It's horrible because it was like one of the, it was the first UFC pay per view I was going to order in a long time, and I had miscalculated my schedule, and I had convinced myself I was off this weekend, and I was so excited about it, and I, I have just recently purchased a new big screen plasma television, and I was oh, oh. this is going to be 
the first great thing I got to watch on it now. No, not so much so. Oh man. <laughs> that stinks. So now now that you've gone to HD. Now now that you've gone to HD, Carl, um what do you feel about the difference between standard TV and HD? Um I'm going to be a dissenter here. I think it's overrated. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I've always thought high definition was somewhat overrated. Blu-ray, I'm pretty impressed with. Uh, I've, I've got to see a side-by-side comparison at, at, a, at a Best Buy of like a regular DVD versus Blu-ray, and I was, you know, wow, that's, that's you know, I can definitely t- tell the difference, you know, side-by-side, but I don't know, man. Uh, you know, HD is, is, is wonderful, but, you know, it's just, to me, it's just not the huge quantum leap I expected it to be. And I realize I'm in the minority there, but... I don't know. I've been somewhat underwhelmed by it so far. Have you seen football in HD yet? Um, I got to, uh, you know, I I don't know how to answer the question. I, I watched the uh, watched the uh, Alabama-LSU game this uh, past weekend, and I'm assuming it was in HD, but um, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I don't really know if it was or not. I haven't got to watch mm-hmm. any pro stuff yet, so I don't know. Okay, because the when you're watching football, it's it's you you can tell how much clearer it is than regular definition, and you know yeah. with the with the short movements of the legs and <clears throat> at least that that's what I that's what I've seen at least on on the HDTVs that I've watched. Yeah, but, the, uh, the the color is the color's a lot crisper and, and everything. I can I can see that, but again, I'm just not. You know, I, I've I've been somewhat underwhelmed by it, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> there you go. You're you're old school like me, brother. Right, that's uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, when are we going to get a new Carl Stern show? Well, hopefully tonight, because I'm mixing it as we speak with the, the reunion show with Rick, and and I, I get into the mailbag and all that good stuff uh on this show the next one with uh just me will be i guess next week sometime uh actually thinking about it it should be probably next monday or tuesday something like that okay. so um <clears throat> have you seen any uh any of the dvds that you've seen recently is there anything that's really popped out you know that that has just grabbed you and and wowed you um, I have been watching, I watch most of my DVDs now through Netflix. I, I rarely buy a, a, a DVD anymore, uh, occasionally. But I have been watching the uh, Hell in the Cell uh, that, DV, that uh, WWE just recently released. I've been watching those uh, one disc at a time. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the first disc was... Pretty spectacular, man. I've forgotten how great. You know, the only one I guess that really stuck out in my mind was the the, the Mick Foley uh, Undertaker one. You know, had the big bump off the top of the cage. But gosh, some of those early uh, early shows were pretty spectacular. Of course, I, I'm I'm about to start watching the second disc, and I guess they will gradually go downhill. And I don't even know really what all they've included. I hope they haven't included that. Horrendous uh, big boss man match or uh, the uh, <laughs> kennel from hell. Hey, that was yeah, fun for the rest of the yeah. factor. 
<laughs> or maybe maybe they did include it. I don't know. So, but I, I'm I'm anxious to kind of see uh, uh, the next disc is supposed to come in. I guess tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. Um, I, I'm I'm guessing the Eddie Guerrero disc came out this week. I've just started seeing it um, in stores. I, just for some reason, I don't have. A, I'm not inclined to uh, to watch that. I don't know why. I like. I liked Eddie Guerrero and enjoyed his work. You know, I, I, I even worked with uh, his brother some uh, back in the the uh, mid 1990s, and I don't know, but I just uh, I guess I'm just numb to it now. I don't know. I, I just have no real uh, excitement for seeing that. The uh, the original match, uh, Bad Blood '97, uh, Taker and Michaels. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Told a brilliant oh, yeah, story. Was, yeah. You know, and, and I don't think any of the cell matches have told the story that that one did. Um, sure, the Foley one was about the big bumps and the punishment and all that, but it wasn't really a story. Uh, and the, the the pacing, everything just clicked for that Bad Blood match. And that's, you know, one of my favorite matches. It's just really good stuff. Michaels is a bump machine. You know, Taker Taker being that, that badass punk just throwing him around and you know, you don't see shit like that anymore. <clears throat> you know, and that was what, 10, 11 years ago? Jeez, still stands the test yeah. of time. Um, do you think that uh, they're, they're going to ever be another cell mask like that? I don't see how they could. I mean, really, how do you top that? <laughs> you know, somebody, short of somebody dying in one, I don't really know. You know, it, you're, you're going to have to have just a masterful story being told. And, uh, I mean, honestly, when do we see that happen anymore? Maybe the maybe the Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels stuff has been as masterfully told as anything we've seen in a long time. But, I mean, honestly, if you put those two in a hell in a cell, would... would it worked like that. I, I don't think so. Mm. Well, going going on, um, talking about cage matches. What, what did you think of uh, the finish from Jericho and Batista with the uh, metal? Uh, you metal, know, uh, I, I enjoyed that match a little more than than I guess uh, Brian did, and um, I thought it was okay. I, I liked it. There were there was one. Spot where time stood still in, in that match, where Chris Jericho was doing everything in, in his power to, to not fall out the door and win the match, and and it looked really really bad. But they kind of recovered from that, and there were two or three kind of unique uh, spots in that match that, that I liked more than anything I've seen in a while. Uh, Jericho slamming the door on uh, Batista's legs, and then the the Batista reaching out you know, between the cage to grab him and Jericho using the cage to kick into the, the knee of, of Batista and then the, the, the taking the little gadget off the top and, and, and hitting him with it. I, you know, I, was, I wouldn't, you know, list it as one of the greatest matches I've ever seen, but I, I for for the, the current time period, uh, I thought it was pretty good. It's one of the better things I've, I've seen on television in, in a good long while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, they <clears throat> They did... You know what? Unlike a lot of the guys today do, they went out and they told the story, and it made sense, and it didn't insult anybody. You know, the big guy got hit with this big piece of metal, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's it wasn't ten chair shots. It wasn't. 
you know, running him over with, the, you know, three cars. <clears throat> but and you know, um, um, Batista kind of kind of gets a bad rap. I think I, I'm I'm a little more forgiving toward Batista than a lot of the the pundits are and so forth because I, I think he uh, I think he's somewhat underrated. I mean, he's not the greatest wrestler in the world by no stretch of the imagination. But I don't think he's nearly as bad as he's made out to be sometimes. That he's got kind of a presence to him that is um, kind of that 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 impossible to define thing we we call charisma or something. I, I don't really know what it is. He just has this sort of presence, that, this star feel to him that a lot of people uh, don't have anymore. And uh, to me, that counts for something. And a lot of times, that to me counts. Uh, for more than being just you know a super great technical wrestler, because let's face it, with the WWE style, the, it doesn't matter how awesome a technical wrestler, high flyer you are, you're going to have to conform to the sort of uh, cookie cutter status of what the WWE style is. So you've got to have something else to fill in the gaps, and I think Batista sort of brings that that uh, that. Uh, little addition there that that a lot of people don't have. I think he actually has as much star presence as John Cena does. It's just that he appeals to a different uh, demographic than the, the, the John Cena has the younger, more rabid, you know, uh, kid fan base and the young teen fan base and the female fan base. Whereas uh, Batista appeals to maybe a less uh, vocal part, but I think he appeals as strong as John Cena does to some of, some of these people. Uh, so I think he kind of uh, gets uh, gets shafted some, and as far as you know, give, giving him credit for being uh, a wrestler, um, you know, everything is not work rate. You know, it's important, but there are other things involved in being a, a, a good top star wrestler. Mm-hmm. Now I, I have to ask this. When when you're sitting down and you're watching, you know, either Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, um, do you have fun sitting there watching? No, rarely. Okay, neither do I. I don't get the I, I don't have, and, and this is Rick and I just spent the better part of the last two hours discussing this very thing. It's the be, the, the the way we described it on there, I think, is the best way I know how to describe it. I don't have a passion for it anymore. It is entertaining. I can be entertained by it. It is is not often that WWE just you know completely bores me. It happens at times, but uh, I don't find their their programming terrible. But I don't find it something I can passionately get behind. TNA, I can't even I can't even speak to that. I mean, it's it, it's I can't even stand to watch most of it. But by and large. I just don't have, and and it's like Rick and I talked. Uh, it's kind of sad because the majority of my life, I have taken this as my primary hobby. I mean, you know, where other people are, you know, passionate football fans or or passionate basketball or baseball fans. You know, I, I've got friends uh, that that have followed uh, baseball religiously through their life and have collected all the cards and can tell you you know, batting averages and, and all this good stuff that I couldn't care less about. My chosen hobby 
where my passion lay was professional wrestling and combat sports in general, not just in the broader sense, but primarily professional wrestling. And that thing is just not there anymore. I, I, and it's, there's, a, there's a gap, a, 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 something missing in my life entertainment-wise now that uh, needs to be filled. And I don't know, professional wrestling just doesn't do that anymore. It's not something I can get. I can invest myself emotionally in. It's not something I can religiously follow anymore and get excited about. It is a show on television that is entertaining at times, but it's not something. I feel like I've. I feel like I've lost my home team. You know, the the thing that I have spent. Uh, you know, as a as a preteen and a, a young teen, junior high schooler. I, that was in the 1980s for me when wrestling was having a huge, uh, you know, popularity boom. Well, when I was then in my mid to late 20s, that was when WCW, you know, hit the hit the big boom with the NWO and WWF, you know, hit the big Stone Cold and the Rock era. And so, in my lifetime, I've experienced two huge uh, booms in the thing that I enjoyed. But now it's been a decade since I've felt any passion for this thing and it's just kind of sad I, I i just don't have any heart for it anymore mm-hmm. yeah i've i've lost the loving feeling too um it's not 86 oh, anymore oh. it's not <laughs> waiting for 305 or for you 605 you know right. there isn't that urgency i have to be home at three o'clock right there isn't that urgency i remember, I remember when i was growing up in the in the uh, mid-1980s there were like a couple channels here on on local television where you could seriously the first wrestling show came on at eight o'clock in the morning and the last one came on at twelve o'clock in the afternoon. The entire Saturday morning experience was different wrestling promotion shows. You, I could sit here and I could watch uh, Continental, NWA, WWF, World Class, Memphis all back-to-back, and, you know, it was all something different and enjoyable, and it was just, you know, something you could immerse yourself in. Now there is as much product on television as there has ever been, but there's just not the heart in it. You know, I I couldn't fathom sitting through, you know, five hours of wrestling. There's no way I would not even dream of sitting through five hours of wrestling on a a single day now. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you think of some, like, uh, football fans of college football, pro football, whatever, you know, your your poison may be. Um, you know, I know some of those people, they'll sit through four or five hours of football on a Saturday or Sunday. Uh, but I, I'm not sitting through that much wrestling on a day. It, it pains me to sit through two hours now. Yeah, I, I am right with you. I'm right with you, brother. Um it's it's to the point now, you know, I've said this many times, it's not where I follow a product, I go and follow workers. There are guys that yeah. I enjoy to watch, and that's kind of sad because, I mean, like like you, Carl, this, the business has been so, such an influence in, in myself, and, you know, and my father before me, um, his wife, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, we go back, you know, to, to the 70s at the Cow Palace. You know, my dad was there for every single battle royal, every single one. 
the uh, end of the year battle royals for Shires, and you know he would come home and and tell me the stories, and you know there was now it, it's it's to the point where within the last ten years I'm not remembering what anything happening that I want to pass on to my son. Everything is before yeah. That's, that's one of the things Rick and I were just talking about. Uh, you know, I used to, you know, when I was 13, 14 years old, I could go into the, the, the supermarket and pick up, you know, the old after Inside Wrestling magazine. And they had this section in there called the Roll Call of Champions. And they had all the different champions from all the different promotions uh, listed. And I could just about name you 90% of them. When I, when I picked it up, I, you, you could call out a belt and I could get probably 90% of them tell you the champion. I, I, and WWE's got, what, probably four or five belts now? You ask me right now who the U.S. champion is, I ain't got a clue. No earthly idea. I don't even know if the belt's still active. The Intercontinental title, yeah, I know Santino held it up till he lost it to, to William Regal, and the only reason I remember that is because, you know, they had the honkometer thing running. Uh, the the uh, world champion on SmackDown is Triple H, but I don't know if that's the WWE title or the world title. I don't even remember which one that is. Who's the main guy on uh, on uh, Raw? Uh Chris Jericho, because he won it the other night. That's how I know that. ECW champion, yeah, probably the Matt Hardy. I don't, I don't even know that to be sure. You know, I have no, I have no emotional investment in any of these people, much less remember. And and the tag champions, forget about it. I couldn't, I even got a, the foggiest clue who holds those belts if they still even exist or not. So I mean, you know, it's just the heart's gone out of it. Mm. Yeah, that I think that's that's the problem now is that people and people aren't really for Pete's sake. I yeah, I no work shit. for the largest professional wrestling website on the internet. I should know this stuff. <laughs> I shouldn't have to get on Google and Google up who the freaking U.S. champion is. I should know this, you know. And I don't necessarily think it's just my fault, <laughs> you know. The the, the the company holds some responsibility in making me care enough to know. So what do you? I mean, what do you do? Uh, you know, there, there, there isn't anyone that you can quote unquote fall in love with. Really? Well, why would you? I mean, they're all bland cookie cutter. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I almost wish WWE, since they've you know decided they're going to go this kid friendly direction at least for a little while till it it pans out. You know, I almost wish they would do like early 1990s and just say, heck with it. We're going to have, you know, Shelton, the mailman, Benjamin. I would care more about that than I would this guy on there now that I couldn't tell you anything about. You know, give me, you know, Carlito, the uh, the milkman, you know, uh, cologne or something. You know, just give me something at least goofy to remember these people by instead of just these bland people wearing glittery trunks on television, you know, and uh, the the to me the only acts I really have any interest whatsoever in on any of the brands, I like the I like Miz and Morrison because they're a little bit different. They kind of stand out. I, I kinda like them. And I like Chris Jericho because 
of all the, uh, the the feud he just went through with Shawn Michaels that I thought was real well done. And uh, I like Batista. don't necessarily have an emotional investment in him, but I like, I like him when he comes on television. That's it. And, and I'm not passionate about any of those people. I'm not sitting around wondering, you know, uh, you know I wonder who uh, Ms. Morrison are facing next Tuesday. I couldn't, don't know, couldn't care less. But if they're on television, I'm not changing the channel. And that's bad when you're, you're, the, the hobby you're invested in, you know, it's now down to, well, at least I just don't change the channel when they come on. And uh, we're in for more. Um, I watch the Florida Championship Wrestling TV, the developmental TV, every week, and it's more of the same. <laughs> to me, that would be like watching paint dry. Well, I I, I like Harry Smith. Um, you know, I like T.J. Wilson and uh, Seamus O'Shaughnessy. So, you know, that, those, that's the the three reasons I watch it because I, I love Harry's work. I always have. Uh, I'm surprised he's not up there uh, yet. Um, but you know, plus you have Dusty Rose on commentary, so it's, it's fun enough. But yeah, there aren't there aren't anybody there isn't any breakout star that's down there that's itching to get up and and that they're ready to bring up. And you know, the the future is really bleak because this is what we got. There's no one out there that. Well, I mean, there are guys out there, but they aren't going to be signed by WWE or they don't want to. And, you know, hopefully, you know, there are other companies out there, you know, that can make a go. You know, it might be tough money-wise out there, but, you know, I think there there is an audience. Um, and TNA is just too too far out in left field to be a true alternative. It's, I yeah, can't... Uh, well, TNA has, for a long time for me, been that company I watched hoping against hope that they would become a viable alternative and have, you know, have repeatedly snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. They're they're the company that, uh, regardless of what name brand talent they get, um, they just can't get past the fact that they're not relevant and are not going to be relevant. And why should I invest my... Uh, time in a company where the people in it aren't relevant and the company itself isn't relevant. Um, mm-hmm. And I just can't. You know, I would love to see them. I would love to see a good, viable alternative. Uh, but there's not one out there that I'm aware of. I, you know, Ring mm-hmm. of Honor maybe. Uh, unfortunately, geographically where I'm located, this isn't exactly Ring of Honor country out here. Um, I have DirecTV, so I don't. I'm not privy privileged to see their their pay-per-views i could get their dvds but that would require me having enough passion for pro wrestling to still buy dvds and mm-hmm. i don't have that um how far how so, far from nashville are you carl how far from nashville am i is uh-huh. i'm about two hours from nashville okay because on december 6th roh will be in nashville yeah, I'm not driving two hours to see any wrestling company. <laughs> okay. Maybe 20 years ago, in 2008, unless they're uh, within, uh, you know, a half an hour, uh, I'm not coming to see them. I'm just, mm-hmm. I've lost that much interest in it. Um, <laughs> I've, I've well, just, this... I don't know. It's just, 
again, where is the relevancy of Ring of Honor? Maybe they've got a different style that I would enjoy. Maybe they have some people that I would I would enjoy, but how are they relevant? Why should I invest in following their careers? Because the step up is to go to WWE. And what is the first thing they're going that's going to happen when they go to WWE? They're going to strip away style. whatever made it unique to begin with. And then they're just another, you know, they're just another Jamie Noble. Um, and oh. so why should I care? Talk about wasted talent. Jeez. Well, it's, you know. again, it's that whole cookie-cutter style. I mean, show me something different. Uh, it's just so bland. I, you know, I would like to see... And, and I would, when when TNA first switched to that AAA style ring, I wasn't against I wasn't against that move. But as time has gone on, I really do think it has hurt them. I've heard more than one one person who is a casual fan um, turn on TNA and not even give them a chance because of that um, ring they have. And so I think a lot of casual fans don't take them serious to begin with. Um, and that hurts. Uh, the 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 good news is that they're not subjected to the ridiculous uh, Russo booking, so they you know they get out before we do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. TNA's just got so many problems from top to bottom. It's it's I don't know. It's discouraging. Okay, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday in Hollywood, California, at the CBS Studios, the National Wrestling Alliance will be filming their TV pilots. Um, and this is in, in uh, they're working with Big Vision Entertainment. Uh, so it looks like the NWA is uh, working on putting together TV. Um, so it looks like they could be the third viable company. Um, I think that they may, may surpass Ring of Honor um, because from what I know, they're going to be going more with the WCW Nitro type of setup with uh, your main eventers, your cruiserweights, your tag teams, and uh, international guys. So it, it, they're going to go back to that type of a mix. Um, do you think a company could strive with that formula? I haven't been turned off from what I've seen so far with um, NWA. I've, I've checked out some of their their recent stuff on YouTube, which is the only outlet I have to, to see anything. I hope they do get a TV deal. I don't think, and I think it's unreasonable to believe they would be, you know, Anytime soon, a competitor to WWE or even a powerful uh, number two alternative. But I think with at least a decent exposure, um, television exposure, they could, uh, if their product is distinguishable enough, could get somewhat of a grassroots movement going enough. I haven't, like I said, I've watched some of it. I haven't been turned off to what I've seen. And I would like to be able to give them a chance. I hope they get uh, some clearance on uh, on, a, on a channel I can I can watch because uh, I would like to see it. I would like to check it out. Uh, I don't necessarily think the NWA name means anything anymore, but I uh, certainly don't think it's a detriment. Um, I think it's I think it still has more positives than negatives to it. And I'd rather be interested to see what they could do. Um, I, I would. Uh, I'm, I'm all for anybody who can put out something different there. And 
hopefully become a uh, an alternative. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a couple more minutes left in this segment. Um, now, since today is the third year anniversary of the death of Eddie Guerrero, um, let's talk about Eddie. Um, what were some of your favorite Eddie Guerrero matches? I liked Eddie Guerrero best, I think, when he was in uh, WCW. That when he really started clicking. Now, t- to be honest with you, I haven't seen a lot of his work from Japan. Um, there's probably something over there that would be, you know, just really tremendous. But um, I have always really, I really liked the uh, last Art Bar match he had on the the uh, when Worlds Collide pay per view, uh, where they lost their hair. Uh, I, I liked it. I liked a lot of his stuff against Ultimo Dragon back in WCW. Um, from his WWF days, WWE days, um, uh, I think he kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, hey, just nothing really. I'm sure there's probably something I'm, I'm completely overlooking, but nothing just jumps to the to the front of my mind from there. I'm sure 2003 I'm on. 2003 SmackDown Tag Team Division. Los Guerreros, uh, the world's greatest tag team, um, the Bashams, uh, Edge and Ray. They were, they, they were interchanging, and there was some good stuff. And plus, the, uh, the Los Guerreros vignettes were, were comedy gold. Yeah, I love those. Love, love oh. Los Guerreros. I mean, that, that was the most... Uh, <laughs> usable Chavo's ever been so you know he was he was at least relevant then and it's it's a shame because that spot should have been Art Bars oh I know yeah right um man you know it's so sad what what the demons that these people have what how how they shortchange themselves it's it really is a shame you know, when when Art Art died, they were just about ready to come to come in together in New Japan and ECW, and you know they. To be honest, I don't think that there's been a better tag team after the after the 90s, after uh, 1990. Uh, Gringos Locos had to have been, because I've seen them appear in San Jose house shows for AAA, and they caused riots. It was just insane the heat that these guys had, and it it'll never be tapped or touched again like that. And it, I I didn't believe it until I saw it with my own eyes, and I was just just in in shock, you know, just that there was that. I mean, because I've heard that quote unquote Tijuana heat, I have heard about it, but I've never seen it until I saw it at the San Jose Civic, and I was just shocked, and. Just amazing, and and you know Eddie was such a gifted uh, performer, and you know just uh, wow, man, I'm gonna have to watch some Gringos Locos. But uh, well, Carl, thanks for for stopping by. Um, let's get out some plugs, oh, brother. Well, I, I definitely definitely appreciate you having me, and I, I'm sorry I haven't been able to get around to it before then, but. You know, there's there's only one wrestling site out there people need to remember, and that's WrestlingObserver.com because, uh, I mean, everything you need wrestling-wise, MMA-wise, that's where you'll get it. I'd like to plug real quick my own personal website, CarlStern.com. That's Carl with the letter K, K-A-R-L-S-T-E-R-N, CarlStern.com. 
I am an author, among other things, and you can get information about my novel there. Awesome. For those that are listening to the live stream, you can go to our front page, blogtalkradio.com backslash radio, and you can click on either of the book icons. I have Brian's book up there, and I have Carl's book on there, So, and it'll link you right to Amazon. Buy them both. Damn it. I really appreciate that. Hey, it's all good, Carl. You you get the you get the cheap plug every week, so um, all good, and it's great having you on. Um, it's always fun. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. That was the uh, wrestlingobserver.com backslash uh, uh, figure four online.com's wrestling historian Carl, the Truth Stern. I have on the line, hold on, I'm blown up. I have on the line my next guest, calling him from the great state of Texas, proving the theory that if <clears throat> the only thing that comes out of Texas are steers and queers, the question is, Ed, do you have horns? Oh, that's real funny, Casey. What's going on, man? What's <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm blown up. Carl blew me up. Cool. <laughs> oh, man. So are you uh, are you the only one that's itching for this weekend? Um, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait, dude. I'll be on a fucking airplane in fucking over 12 hours. So I'm fucking stuck, dude. I can't fucking on that fast enough. Oh, you lucky bastard. I wish I could go, dude, but, you know, it is my anniversary. The wife says, you have to stay home. It's like, you know, well, shit, I would have taken you. But that's okay. We'll be sitting on the couch watching. But <clears throat> so nothing's changed. Um, the damn poll on the website is you know pretty much the same. The the odds are you know fluctuating a little bit. There's there's really not much of a change even after the uh, countdown to 91. Um, are you still sticking? Wait, your pick was Randy, right? My pick was I'm not making a pick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you betting on I, this one? Uh, no. I am betting on the, uh, Kinslow match, but I'm not going to bet on this one. This is just too, uh, to me, I see Brock Lesnar as the future of MMA, and I want him to succeed because he could bring, take the UFC to bigger and better places than they already are. At the same time, I can't pick against Randy because he's fucking Randy fucking Couture, dude. And you just can't, I just can't bet, bring myself to bet against him or pick against him. So it's like, I'm staying neutral on this one. I just want to see something exciting or great happen, and uh, that's what we'll I'm be the winners, for. brother. We will yeah, be the winners. I'll be the winner because I'll get to see Randy Couture fight live before he retires. So you know that's that's another reason why I make this trip happen. There it is. Well, you know the thing. The thing is, Brock is the next big thing as far as MMA and UFC is concerned. The question is, will he be able to step over Randy? That's the question, and you know. I, I don't even think it matters if he wins or loses. I think if Brock has a good showing, it's not going to really hurt him because he's yeah. young. You know, he's, what, 31? You know, he's got a lot of time. Yeah, you know, but there's not, a lot, not beat up. there's not a lot of really great heavyweights out there. So even if he did, did lose to Randy, he'd get his turn, you know, after it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that long before he got his turn again. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, <clears throat> speaking of big things in the heavyweight division, Shane Carwin. 
Yeah, this I'm excited. Guy. Yeah, I'm excited. He's a monster man. I haven't I haven't seen him fight, but I've heard so much about him. So I'm excited to see if uh, if the hype's all justified. I heard he's a giant monster, so he's got a good test. He's got Gonzaga, who's who's a good fighter, but Gonzaga don't got no heart. So uh, Shane Carlin should, I think he should win, but we'll see. You know, we'll see how the experience factors into it. Nah, Gonzaga's weak-minded, but that that's just me. I get the feeling that he's just weak. Well, he you is weak-minded. I, I, I mean, he uh, when he he fucking. Broke Rand, uh, Randy's arm, but basically he still got dominated that whole fight. Randy just took his whole fucking heart away, you know, and mm-hmm. made him look fucking stupid. And then you don't you don't lose by TKO unless you fucking have no heart or you suck like Brandon Vera. Brandon Vera lost to, lost to uh, Verdun because he sucks. Gonzaga lost to Verdun because he has no fucking heart. <laughs> so do you, do you think they're going to keep Brandon Vera? At least until the Philippines show. Why the fuck do they want to run in the Philippines anyway? God damn it! I mean, it's, it's bad enough that they go to England for all these shows, and you know, it's nothing against. I have anything against England or and these, two, you know, them getting to see shows. It's just that it totally dilutes the fucking product. Like uh, this show that I'm going to tomorrow should probably get four hundred thousand more buys than it's going to get just for the fact that they didn't fucking advertise it the way they should have. And the reason they don't do that is because there's too many fucking shows. And, you know, what's the fucking point of going to the fucking Philippines? Mm-hmm. Well, going to the Philippines with big guys, it's not going to work. Yeah. It should be a WEC show because, you know, if you look at the boxers that come out of the Philippines, Manny Pacquiao, perfect example, they're little guys. Okay, and if you're going to draw money, you need the people to identify with who they're going to watch. And these little Filipino guys cannot identify with, you know, a 205 fighter. It just doesn't work. Especially when and I think like, uh, they'll be ashamed of their own fucking countrymen. So if he comes in and puts in a show like he's done the last couple of fights and look like the pathetic loser that he is, they're going to kill the fucking Philippines. What's what's the point of going to the fucking Philippines? You know. Well. I, they're not going to draw anything either. Yeah, they're not. The reason it's such is going to be a tape delayed show, and you know, hopefully it'll be on Spike. But fuck, if it's a pay per view on delay, I mean, Jesus Christ, they're gonna, they ain't gonna make shit on that show. They might make a little bit on the gate. I don't know, maybe, but no, they won't make no, they won't. They, uh, they, they won't make, they won't make anything on the gate because the Philippines is a very poor country, and the poor are very poor, and the rich are very rich. So and that's how things are there. So it's not, and it, it, the numbers are like six to one. So it brings me back to, to my one point. Rich, so. Why are they running in the Philippines? Like you say, they're probably not going to make money off the gate. They're not going to make money if it's a delayed pay-per-view. I mean, I mean, what, what, what's the fucking point? I don't get that. I mean, there's other places you could go. There's other states here in the United States. Come back to Texas. Come back to fucking a couple other places that are, that would be hot for it. You know, or Canada even, just places in Canada where it'll be hot. The fucking Philippines, dude, I don't get that shit. That's another one of Dana's stupid ideas. Well, you know what? They can go and have the show in the Philippines and just leave Brandon Vera there. Yeah, that's true. Well, that'd be worth it. It'd be worth it for that show then if they can leave him there and get rid of his fat ass. <laughs> Man, you're really up on Brandon Vera, aren't you? <laughs> well, just Brandon Vera and the whole Philippines. I mean... 
Dana White, for all the great things Dana White's done for the UFC, the UFC should be bigger and better than it is, and it's only because Dana's a fucking control freak. Won't hire more people to help him fucking run the show. I mean, he, for everything he does good, he, he's like Eric Bischoff. For all the good things Eric Bischoff did for WCW, look at all the bad things Eric Bischoff did for WCW. And, and, and Dana White's doing the same thing. I mean, he's great at doing the things that he does, but, you know, Look at, okay, like uh, I was talking, I had this conversation with a friend of mine earlier about the, he asked me if he, if I thought there'd be any cool USC shirts. And I was like, no, because the USC shirt, shirts suck because they don't bother to spend any time promoting or making, like, really nice shirts like the WWE. I mean, look at all the money the WWE makes for their company and for their wrestlers by selling shirts. And, you know, you don't see people wearing USC shirts. You see people wearing fucking Affliction or Tap Out or other shit, and it's because they don't know how to promote their own shit. It's because Dana, you know, he's got other shit to do, and, you know, he wants to be totally in charge, you know, so he doesn't have time to fucking deal with that. So that's, you know, something that they're losing money out on. You know, he should hire more people, make the company bigger, have somebody in charge of that, make some more money off of that, you know what I mean? It's a very good point. Um, I rarely see anybody. Um, I go to Strike Force up here, you know, in uh, smaller shows, and you never see anybody in UFC shirts, ever. A lot of tap out. There's a lot of tap out up here, <clears throat> but we, because we are we are in a hotbed up here. So, I mean, there are, there are uh, MMA gyms all up and down the coast, California. I all over. You know, American Kickboxing Academy is up here in San Jose. You know, with Tung um, Lee and all those guys, and uh, Swick, uh, uh, Koscheck, a bunch of those guys, and you know they're they're really acceptable. You know, you can go in and talk to the guys in the gym. You know, I need to get a voice recorder. You know, I mean, I can just go in and sit down and interview. Them. You know, they're like, hey, hey, how you doing? You know, but uh, the thing is, the UFC is not. You know, selling the shirts. They're not selling the merchandise. And I don't understand because that's money. And companies have been doing it for, for forever. WWE did it. ECW did it. ECW made a lot of their money from T-shirt sales. Yeah, exactly. I, don't understand. I mean, yeah, it's, it's because Dana has to be in total control of everything. And he, ain't, he doesn't have the time, you know, to dedicate to merchandise or what would make, make more money off of merchandise. You know, the product itself is hot, and you'll sell a lot of USC shit. But if you actually took the time to promote it, make shit look cool, they'd be making way more money than they already are. They'd be they'd be able to pay fucking a riot favor more than $14,000 for a fucking main event on fucking TV. That's a shame. That's that is a shame. shame. I, mean, that's, I mean, I know he's probably making more money. Maybe he got some, some other money coming, but for... for a champion, I, you know, I know he lost there, but for a champion, he's going to be on the main event on a TV show, and his fucking purse is $14,000. That's fucking sad and pathetic, dude. And you, you know what's really bad? They didn't even plug his gym on the commentary. Nothing. He just opened a new gym, and they didn't plug it. Nothing. At all. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't, there's... One of the things they do is perplexing. <laughs> so much money to be made still out there, and you know they're not 
you know, they don't even plug their uh, their UFC on demand too hard on the pay per views. Yeah, know, and then it's like the, um, like uh, when we had like uh, on my show this past week, when we had Mike on there. I asked him, you know, what's the buzz for this show, and he's all, well, all the advertising advertisements been for the December show. Why don't you fucking wait a week until after the November show's over, or even in fact during the November show, start to plug, start your push for the December one. Why, why make ticket sales suffer or lose lose part of your audience for your November show to plug your December show? I mean, I don't get that shit. Yeah, I, there should only be one show a month. One show yeah, a month. There should be, but it seems like they got, like, fucking, what, they got, like, three in December almost? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's nuts. Oh, that's just too hectic of a schedule. And you know who I feel sorry for is Joe Silva, the booker. You know, he's got to fill slots for all these guys. Um, the, the fighters, they train on a certain schedule. And, you know, he's got to fit them in for fights. And also fights that make sense. You know, he's got a real tough job. Yeah, I really for sure. feel sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he does make good matchups. you got to give him credit. He's doing his job right, that's for sure. Yeah, well, Joe doesn't get enough love. It's all about Dana White. Yeah. He's fucked up. Because, you know, I put over Joe Silva as, as often as I can. You know, he's the glue. He really is. Yeah. You know, he's the one that puts everything together and... He doesn't get the credit, which which isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you're uh, you're going to be live on the air from Vegas tomorrow night? That's insane. Actually, I'll be live twice. I'll be doing uh, a show. We're starting a show at, uh, uh, fuck, dude, I guess 3.30 Vegas time. I'll have Roderick Strong on that show. Hopefully we'll get Oliver, Mike, maybe and Brian to call in for that show. And then around 3.30 a.m., uh, Vegas time, after we leave the strip club, there should be like a maybe half hour, an hour of just drunken ramblings from and stories about lap dances, I guess. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. I'll be there in spirit, brother. <laughs> Fucking A. I wish I could have made that. But, you know, real life sucks. <clears throat> all right, let's see yeah. here. So, have you been watching any wrestling at all? Um, yeah, pretty much, um, I didn't see ECW this week, but pretty much, you know, I saw Raw. I haven't seen Impact yet, but I'll get to that later. Okay. Well, I figured, uh, maybe you can tell me what's going on. Because, you know, <laughs> I depend, I depend on the Observer now. I don't, I, it's to the point where I can't even listen to Brian and Vinny. I can't <laughs> even listen to them review the shows. It's making me that sick. <laughs> It's sad. And uh, while we have Ed on the line, we're waiting for, uh, between the ropes, Mr. Vito DiNucci to call in. Vito is a little tied up right now. Um, We'll leave it at that. (coughs) Okay, so uh, we uh, we had Carl Stern on earlier, and, uh, you know, we were just, uh, we were talking about a different, bunch of different stuff, and one subject came up was that there isn't anybody now that's on TV that can, that can grab your attention and that that you can care about. Do you see any wrestlers on TV that you can actually care about? Um, yeah, there's actually a lot of people I care about. I mean, 
It's, I don't think it's too, too bad. Uh, I care about the beautiful people. I care that they're looking good at me. <laughs> care about Kelly Kelly, you know. And, uh, nah, like, I love, like, Mrs. Morrison. Uh, mm-hmm. I fucking, the biggest kung fu knocking mark in the world. Uh, <laughs> to uh, Edge, Edge is fucking my favorite. Edge is the fucking MVP of fucking WWE. Uh, glad Randy's coming back like Randy. Uh, love Cena. You know, I'm supposed to, it's supposed to, smart marks supposed to hate Cena, but fuck that shit. Cena's cool. Um, who the fuck else is out there? Trying to think. I love like Curry Man. <laughs> uh, Christopher hey, Daniels. He's gold, uh, brother. <laughs> Curry Man is yeah, gold. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. And, uh, what the fuck else? Uh, you know, Evan Bourne, but unfortunately he got hurt, so he'll be out for a while. But, you know, there's, as long as wrestling's on TV, I'm going to be happy and watching it no matter how shitty it gets because, you know, it's just something I love and, you know, I'll always be happy as long as it's on. You, you could suck fucking a donkey dick, but I'll still fucking watch it and find something to enjoy out of it. There you go. Well, um, also, what, what I spoke to Carl about was uh, today is the third year anniversary of the death of Eddie Guerrero. Um any Eddie memories that, you know, that just have burned into your brain? Yeah, I can uh, tell you about fucking the day he died. <laughs> um, you know, I fucking work nights. You know, I throw the paper out in the morning. So I got home. Uh, it was on a Sunday, dude. Got home, went to bed, uh, woke up. Uh, usually my routine was I'd wake up, get ready, call the observer, and uh, usually uh, by the time I get on, I'd be driving to work. So I got on, and uh, first thing I hear Dave say is uh, Eddie Guerrero was dead. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I clicked on the website, and then, you know, that pretty much confirmed it. So I just remember just uh, driving to work, listening to the the show. They have Bret Hart on, and I just remember just uh, – just being sick to my stomach, dude, and just sad. And after the show was over, I was at the park in the parking lot at work, but I was just so stunned, dude. I don't know. It must have been an hour before I actually went inside to work. And then and when I was in work, man, I must have broke down like once or twice. I mean, it was just real emotional. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just a fucking sad, sad day. Yeah, it was, it was rough um, from here. What's funny is, what was kind of, what's weird is, like, uh, last night when I went to the paper route, the guy who was, like, I guess loading up the papers in his car next to me was playing um, that Johnny Cash rendition of Nine Inch Nails that they did the tribute video to Eddie Guerrero from Raw. Mm -hmm. It was kind of of weird how, like, they played that, like, as soon as I heard that song, you know, I totally thought of flashback to Eddie. You know, and it just, it's weird because it was, you know, it, it turns out it's the 30-year anniversary. I mean, it was kind of weird. Yeah, it was, it was shocking, um, to say the least. Um, I was more shocked with Candido when Candido passed. Because um, <clears throat> I, saw, I saw Eddie two weeks before he died, and he... He was kind of down, you know, where shit was eating at him, and, you know, he was just really down. 
Um, he didn't hang out like he usually does up here. Uh, you know, he came in and, and said hi to the couple of agents and a couple of the boys, and then he just, you know, left. And, you know, he was just really out of it, and it, it, it you know, it, it bothered me. You know, I knew something was up, you know, and I just didn't know. And, and you know, a couple of weeks later, you know, that was it. You know, it was just, you know, came as a total shock, and I don't think there's ever going to be another performer like him. No, there's probably not, man. Probably not Not that total package done like that. I mean, he was basically everything. You know, he had something of everything. So, yeah, I mean, he's deeply missed, that's for sure. Yeah, and and then some. Uh, man, no, give me just a second. <sighs> Sorry, brother. That one kind of, you know, really hits home. You know, I, I when did I first meet Eddie? I first met Eddie 93 up here in San Jose. It was right after I was discussing with Carl. There was a house show up here for AAA, and that was the first time I met Eddie. And, you know, he was just such a cool dude you know he he wasn't cocky or arrogant and you know he'll sit and he'll talk with the fans and whatever and this was when he was a rudo <laughs> you know i was i was in shock but he's all hey you know what lucha's in mexico brother this is the u.s i was like okay you're all right so but yeah enough of enough of me whining about eddie <sighs> okay so uh how many people from the empire are gonna be out there in Vegas for this weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's actually not that big. It's actually I thought there'd be a lot more, but there's not. It's mainly you know me, Brian, Dave, Oliver Cobb, Mike Sawyer. There's um I believe there's two guys coming over from England. Uh, one guy's gonna meet up with us. The other one I think he's coming with friends, so he probably won't make it. Uh, little chicken fucker, the Americal is uh gonna be there. Hopefully I'll get to meet his hot mom and see his. If she lives up to all the hype. <laughs> and then uh, there's uh, another guy who's going down with his girlfriend. And then there's a couple guys who live there who may or may not be able to make it out or not. So, I mean, it's going to be a little small gathering. So, But I'm sure it'll be fun. That's awesome. Well, you guys, you guys are definitely going to have a good time. Okay, let's see. Do I have an email? No, I don't have any emails from... Uh... Mr. Vito Danucci. Well, what the hell? It's 8:20. We're gonna wrap up early. Um, Ed, thanks for coming on and, and giving me your insight. Uh, plug the show hard, brother. Okay, yeah. Tomorrow at a 3:30 uh, uh, Vegas time, which is, would be what Pacific? Pacific, yeah. Yeah, 3:30 Pacific. Four, five, six. Uh, 6:30 Eastern, Eastern, I guess. Yeah, 6:30 Eastern. We're doing a live show. I'll be live from Vegas. Uh, Peach will be back home, but we'll be having uh, Roderick Strong on talk about all the Ring of Honor news and about all the shit we gave and all that stuff and uh, a lot of notes from the weigh-ins and a lot of the stuff going on in Vegas. Then later on that night, around 3.30 a.m. Pacific time, we should hopefully, if we're still standing, be able to do a little drunken show uh, from there. And then uh, at a... 10.30 Pacific time, uh, Saturday, we are doing a post-USC uh, show. So 
plenty of audio. It's all on. Uh, you can get to the show on uh, the, the Drunk Cast on blogtalkradio.com. Just type in Drunk Cast or in San Antonio into the search. It'll take you right through the archives and stuff. So, yeah, everyone, uh, check it out, man. We're going to go audio crazy this weekend. Ah, tremendous. All right, Ed, have a nice weekend, and uh, just don't get arrested. Yeah, I'll try not to. Okay. All right, brother, bust enough for me, and I will talk to you soon. Cool, man. Bye-bye. All right, brother. Okay, that was world-famous Ed in San Antonio. Uh, We're going to wrap up early tonight. Um, Vito's busy, so uh, we're going to just wrap up early. Um, Rather uneventful show. We had Sammy Callahan. On in the first segment, then Carl Stern, followed by Ed in San Antonio. Um, go out of your way, UFC 91 this Saturday. Good stuff. Check it out by whichever means you have to. Uh, check it out. Uh, let's plug the sponsors, FogCityWrestling.com. December 13th is their next show, um, South of Market at the DNA Lounge. Uh, Raven is on the card. I think he's taking on a member of the Reno Scum, which should be good. Uh, Hopefully it's Adam Thornstow. Adam's a really good worker. Um, and my other sponsor would be WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, who else should I plug? SoCalProWrestling.com, EliteProWrestling.com. Uh, support my friends out there in Chicago. Uh, Elite's got some really good, a really good product. Uh, ChicagoPro.com. Support your local indies, and that should do it from here. Later, kids. <laughs>